Support for Waveform comes from Visible. With Visible, you get a one-time plan with unlimited 5G data on Verizon's network for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sounds pretty good. So why isn't Visible for everyone? Well, Visible doesn't do stores. So you can manage your plan, chat to customer service, update your eSIM, all in their app, and they don't bundle their plans with extra stuff that costs you extra money. So if you don't want a wireless plan that focuses on the wireless part, by all means, do not switch today at Visible.com. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And uh, we have a pretty fun episode today. Uh, we're going to talk about Google pushing for iMessage to accept RCS. That's been all over the place lately. Um, David's going to come on later, and he has a bunch of an- chipset announcements from CES that he wants to explain that are important. Um, you have a pretty hot tweet about pixel bugs <laughs> that we're going to go over. Um, yeah. But I want to start off with two things really quick. First off, a little shout out. We had somebody tweet at me that actually got really close to nailing all the smartphone predictions. Oh, they made a guess tweet? They made a guess and they retweeted it at us. Um, so SAR10K, he had biggest Note 21 Ultra, MVP iPhone, most improved S21 Ultra, budget Pixel 5a. Pixel 5a is actually really close because, you know, we did give it to Pixel. Bust OnePlus 9, compact Galaxy Flip, which got runner up. Battery ROG Phone 4, or it was 5, but you know, camera iPhone and design S21 Ultra. Or that? Way closer okay. than you or I got. That's pretty close. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. Good job. Very good. I think that's the closest we've seen Shout feedback out of. Um, and then my next question is, what on earth is Wordle and why are there a billion boxes all over oh, yeah. my Twitter timeline? I'm confused. I get to Please I get to introduce me. you to a game yes. for the first time. Yeah, right? Oh, sick. Okay, so this is great. So Wordle is a... Oh, there's a bunch of story behind it, too. So Wordle is a... It's a word game, mm-hmm. and it's basically a word guessing game. Matter of fact, okay, if you just Google Wordle, and you should screen record <laughs> yeah, so, you, screen so you can record. see, uh, and I'll play alongside with you, actually. Oh, you're... Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's not like Wordle.com, but if you Google Wordle, it'll pull it up, and it's a daily word game. So this is uh this was apparently just something that was like coded and built casually for a friend by a friend. It's a five letter box across. Okay. You have five empty boxes and your job is to guess what the word of the day is. You can guess any five letter word. You put in your five letters and when you put in the five letter word and hit enter, it will tell you which letters you got that are correct, which letters you got that are incorrect, and if you got a letter in the right place, it will be green. If you got a, a letter correct, but in the wrong place, it'll be yellow. Okay. And if you guess a letter that's not in the word at all, it'll gray it out. There's a game show that does this, right? There's Isn't it probably um, something like called that. Called like Password or something like that? This is probably a segment in a game show somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Someone will, will help us out with that. So um, there is a bit of, this is the crazy part is there's a bit of strategy. People like to, you know, spend an extremely long time <laughs> debating what each guess is for maximum okay. like word guessage. You want to obviously give oh. it one or two vowels in your first word. You should guess a pretty common word for your first word. Yeah, like I'm looking now. I thought it would at least start you with like the first letter. So that's, I think there's right. a game show that gives you that. So this is just totally. Yeah, totally blank. Five letter word. So I have my go-to, I have my go-to uh, first word here that yeah, I'm going I'm to try and not make this too long and still entertaining for live on the podcast but I think sure. Adam's playing over there too because you've never played yeah. this right okay he hasn't either so we're going to start here okay. I'm just going to do brown because your last name is Brownlee okay so I, I typed have... it in and so what is hit your, enter what is your somewhere yeah you the bottom left corner is enter you hit oh, that enter. okay and so now what happens? okay so it's telling two, you you got one letter, two R, letters and t- that are correct, right? Those but letters are correct. Both the, of them are not in the correct place okay, in the cool. word. So you can now oh, use that information man. to make your next guess. All of these must be dictionary words, by the way. You can't just guess like A, B, C, D, E. That's what I was gonna say. Can you guess a non-word? Yeah, okay. it's got to be a word. Whew. I need I should I need the Claire collaboration here because uh, she would be really good at this. I also really like that in the keyboard it blanks out the word, the letters that you have guessed that are wrong, yes. so you don't do it again. Super useful. Appreciate that, because I would never actually pay attention and go back. 
R O. So now you're Rose. you're basically using okay. like an those two letters, put them in a different spot, maybe, and okay. try to build I got a word around one that. More okay, wrong good. space still. All right. So I know R can't be there. You might have to cut out some dead space as we like yeah, stare at our sure. phones. Oh man, let's see. I've got a pretty good second guess. Mm, I'm really bad. I'm not somebody who did well on like vocabulary tests or English courses or pretty much anything that had to do with school. Um, I don't suggest but you it. Just, you just got to do well in school words. so you can play fun fashion trendy games on trendy the twitter games if yeah so you'd be bad at it if you didn't do well in school this one i'll, I'll explain a little more about it when we get to yeah. the end so let's okay. just get to the end adam got it how many guesses did you take you five okay so this is like this is the the hard part is basically Ooh. it's not even really okay. time started getting my first green letters oh, okay that's good that's good Oh, so when I'm seeing this on my timeline, the more boxes I see, technically the worse they did, right? The more guesses it took them. Yeah. So that's the crazy I thing. I refuse that, to like people with lots of boxes. The sharing mechanic was the brilliant part of this. Yeah. Is you, at the end, when you guess it right, a little box pops, pops up to share it. Okay. And it's just that little grid and it of emotes gray, just yellow, like, and green. Yeah. And you can see like some people's progressions. Some people get it really fast. Uh, I think it's mostly luck. So I'm just going to. Let's just pick another word. Oh, this has to be it. Right? Oh, this game wow. Sucks. How did I not get this? Okay, hold on. It better be this. Green, 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 green. Okay. You got it. Sheesh, that took a while. So the word was favor. Word of the day. Favor. Favor. This is the Wednesday word for those of you following along. Yeah, no, like we can't spoil that for anyone, right? Yeah, okay, yeah this is already come and gone by the time you hear this. But... Basically now, if you hit share, you could share this like little chart. And so people have been making memes out of the little chart and okay, drawing yeah. characters and way I'm more. This is like a yes, yes, no, yeah. kind of. So now you understand the charts. Now yeah. you understand what Wordle is. The crazy part about Wordle is this, it's just one word per day. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people, it's like, oh, dang, I want to play again. Give me a new word. Let me try again. So people built all types of clones and like really? copies and ad supported versions of Wordle. And they made it to the app store and they were making money from them. Really? And then they eventually had to pull them because they're all copies. Yeah. And Apple eventually did something about it, which is, you know, a little late, but better late than never. But that was kind of a story of the week, which is like, oh, yeah, all these Wordle clones, like part of the magic of Wordle is it's only one word per day. You yeah. can't sink your whole day into this mindless thing. Well, it's not mindless, but that one yeah, word it, per day makes it special. It reminds me right now of um, like Trivia HQ or uh, what was that called? HQ Trivia. Remember, it was like yeah. this phenomenon happened once a day. Everyone kind of yep. played it. Yeah. Yep. This yep. is cool. That's all. I'm tweeting mine right now. Yeah, this is this one's fun because it's uh, any time of day. They just refresh it every day, once per day, and you just get to play, and everyone has the same that's word. That's fun. Claire's going to love that. I'm going to probably play that every day now, yeah, too. That's a that's fun really one. That's really fun. Okay. Um, all right. We all know what Wordle is now. Thank you for explaining that to us. Anytime. Now, um, You're a gamer now. I'm a gamer now. <laughs> there we go. I, we'll be live streaming Wednesday nights, 9 to 10, doing that. Um, Wordle. But okay. So next thing I have on this list, you're, you made a tweet the other day, yesterday, I believe, about your Pixel 6 Pro getting really buggy and that you can't recommend it at 900 yeah. bucks anymore. Yeah. And it kind of blew up. So let's yeah. uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let me just read. I'll start off by just reading my tweet and, and explaining. I mean, it was just a tweet sort of in the moment as I was thinking about it, but I'll explain. I mentioned in the latest video, which was like, what's in my tech bag? the phone I'd been carrying for a while was the Pixel 6 Pro. Mm -hmm. And this is something we knew, which is like, I've I've typically carried one of maybe four or five phones more often than the rest, just because I have, you know, like preferences with the software and I like the way they work. Pixel's always been one of them near the top of the list. So mm -hmm. I'd been carrying Pixel 6 Pro since, uh, I guess since I reviewed it. It's one of the last phones that came out during the year that I reviewed. Put my SIM card back in it. And eventually I just got fed up over a slow accumulation of bugs mm -hmm. that had me swap my SIM card back to the Galaxy S21 Ultra and been using this phone for a couple days and it's just way better. So I tweeted from the S21 Ultra, oh, um, my Pixel 6 Pro has slowly gotten so buggy since launch in October that I can no longer recommend it at $900. Combined with the latest botched software update, it's just been a bad experience. So my SIM card's back in the S21 Ultra till the next review. Um, and it's true. So 
Now I see this all the time where people will just like dump on a phone because they have like two or three issues and they expect everyone else's experience to be the same. And I always see that and I'm like, okay, so what were your actual issues? So maybe if I have them, I can I can notice them. Maybe I had a little, uh, maybe you have a small issue that I also had but didn't notice. And, yeah, and yeah. when you point it out, I'll notice it too. Things like that. We have access to a lot of smartphones here at the studio. So I have a lot of context. Um, so I figured what we do here is I'll just share all of the issues I've had with the Pixel yeah. that have added up over time to have me switch. Okay. So, okay, the latest one that actually appeared on camera in the <laughs> what's on my phone video okay. is uh, it just dips way under 120 hertz uh, often. So now I have the smooth display mode turned on. Pixel 6 Pro has an LTPO display that goes up to 120 hertz. Mm -hmm. Pixel 6 has a 90 hertz display uh, that you can toggle back and forth. But I, I noticed Pixel 6 constantly at like 60 to 90 hertz, often at 60. Okay. Just... Not a problem, like 60 hertz is fine, but I got a 120 hertz phone for a for reason. A reason yeah. It's supposed to be on, I have the setting on, and it's I'm just scrolling around and Wait, using a phone Real quick, Pixel 6 Pro at 60 to 90 hertz? Yep. Okay, just yeah. confirming because... Yeah, so that, that was kind of annoying just because I had to, you know, I'd restart the phone and it would start off back at 120 again and then quickly start dropping frames again and it just feels like I'm seeing all these dropped frames and that was not cool, so that's one... I know other people have felt the same thing. And just generally, pixels slowing down over time is not new. And that's mm -hmm. been a, a thing we could probably talk for ages about. But I'm that's using one a Pixel thing. 4, so I can confirm on yep. that. Yeah. So that's that. And by the way, so I switched back to the S21 Ultra, and uh, every single one of the things that I have a problem with here is like miles better on this phone. So mm -hmm. that contrast is exaggerated, and that's what, for sure. you know, yeah. sort of light bulb moment for me. This phone is one year old and totally fine, and probably will be fine for a while. Also, what I noticed when I tweeted this is a lot of uh, like iPhone people came out the woodwork like, see, this is why you don't buy an Android phone. This Pixel can't hold up. It's supposed to be the best one. Um, ignoring the second half of my tweet, which is yeah. I switched to a different Android phone. So anyway, that's that's the one. Second thing, uh, the slow fingerprint reader. So Pixel 6 Pro has that optical fingerprint reader at the bottom. Of course, no. It's not bad. But it's definitely not as fast as even other optical fingerprint scanners and, of course, the ultrasonic one on the S21 Ultra, which is literally like, boop, super fast, extremely yeah. fast um, and very accurate. So I like that they're all accurate, but that was something that was just a little bit annoying weighing on me. It's a little slower. And then the December update hasn't come out yet, right? So the December update, which is what I mentioned as a botched software update, uh, started to roll out and then was pulled. Okay. I never got it. I'm still on the November patch. And I specifically asked that because along with fingerprint sensor, that was supposed to fix the bug where if your phone dies, you lose your, you have to re, you have to factory reset in order to put a fingerprint back in. Yeah. Which happened to a friend of mine like two weeks ago. What a weird And he bug. texted me and he's like, is there any way I can do this without factory resetting? <laughs> and I was like, wait for the December update. He's like, but I still have to factory reset even to do that so yeah that's rough fun. i i'd never heard that so like yeah uh if you don't have experience with other phones with faster fingerprint readers you might not actually care about that at all mm -hmm. but because of again my context i noticed that it was bugging me um and then just a lot of bugs so i mean the phone will like randomly just choke up and lock up for for no reason that's not something i can typically reproduce immediately on camera but if you've had a pixel you might have had this happen to you also um the camera app slowly getting slower over time so okay. the way it opens will typically like I'll double tap the home or double tap the power button and it'll just fire right up and I can start taking photos. Um, and that's the way it was for like a month or two after launch. But then slowly it would it would lag and it would take an really? extra half second to launch and then it would it would open. But then it wouldn't respond to taking photos for another second or so. And just that slowly starting to age really quickly. Pretty concerning. Didn't like that. Uh Weird lock screen bugs. I've had, I think David has had this problem a couple times too, where he pulled his lock screen down or he went to lock the phone and it didn't turn the phone off, but it displayed the lock screen stuff over the top of the home screen UI, oh. which is like a really weird bug. It's like yeah. you can see the guts of the phone. It was very strange that that happened, but it did happen a few times. And also the notification pull down. Sometimes it's transparent, sometimes it's not. Oh. I have Very a different strange. notification pull down bug where 
if I have my phone locked for generally like a normal amount of time, like I'm not actively using it. So generally when I grab my phone after not using it, mm-hmm. unlock it and pull the notification down, it like double swipes. And then I'm all the way into settings and oh. it's pushed all my notifications down. Hmm. And it's something that I've replicated multiple times before and it just does it all the time. And it drives me absolutely, when, cause I like unlock my phone to look at a text message swipe down and it swipes past it and right. then I'm in my quick settings Do you and have, I have to scroll back up. I don't know if this is a setting on your phone, but where you have like swipe down from the corner goes double swipe to settings and swipe down from the middle just goes I to don't notifications. I don't know if I have it. What's, I don't think I've noticed it happen lately, but I have a video of it somewhere doing okay. it. Um, we could probably put it up on screen. Yeah. Uh, so that's just- But yeah, that's driven me insane. Just one more weird thing happening. Um, Adaptive brightness on the Pixel is bad. And it's been bad for a while. Yeah, mine's pretty I bad. think it's been bad since Pixel 2. So, and it's been bad again, like relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. I, I've used other phones that have really, really, especially with the Samsung, really good auto brightness. And yeah, the Pixel, it'll just not dim itself in a totally pitch black room, which is yeah. weird. Another odd quirk is anytime I turn the flashlight on, the auto brightness goes all the way up on the phone, which is <laughs> weird because I, I have the flashlight on, which means I'm in a dark room. I'm not sure why you think I yeah. want the screen all the way up. So just a, another weird quirk. I but wonder if that's just the sensor. It's, is it pulling from a sensor on the back or a sensor on the front? And then it should seeing, be on the front. That would be really funny if the flashlight But it's was been just, bad for years. Okay. So it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's a strange bug, but adaptive brightness is just bad and again on the s21 ultra which has a much better screen it also has much better adaptive brightness um so that's another thing i have before anyone asks i have tried speeding up animations to 0.5x i've done that on Mm -hmm. many android phones it does technically speed up the time it takes for the animation but it does not make it smoother um and have had worse than normal service so this is another thing where like we're in the studio we have these double pane glass soundproof rooms or whatever like Mm -hmm. service is not great in the first place um, but I've just noticed it being a little worse than normal and switching back to the S21 Ultra, I am seeing it get back to the okay. average levels. So all of those things put together, it's like, wow, the phone's slowing down. It's dropping frames. It's got bugs. I haven't gotten the update. It's, I just switched back to the S21 Ultra and just, that was it for me. So I want to end it with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think the Pixel 6 is a pretty good phone. It was 599 and the reason I bring that up is because I think there's a very different set of expectations at $900, that's an okay. expensive phone, than there is at $600. I still think Pixel 6 overperforms, overdelivers at that price, especially with camera quality, with the display being 90 hertz most of the time. It's not LTPO, so I haven't seen actually that bug at all with Pixel 6, but maybe. Um, with the software, with the Google Assistant, with all the stuff that happens with Pixel 6, and then at 900 bucks, there's an extra set of like fit and finish expectations, you yeah. know, like having little bugs and having display br- just drop frames when I'm expecting 120 hertz all the time. Um, and it it falls short on the $900 expectations. So okay. that's why I specifically talk about Pixel 6 in my tweet and whenever I talk about this stuff, because that's the phone I've been using and been disappointed with. The Pixel 6 Pro. 6 Pro, yeah. sorry. 6 Pro um, is the one that's- Some of those things I would yeah. be pretty upset with if I had it on my Pixel 6. Um, Adam has a Pixel 6, he said he hasn't. Some of them are are harder for to happen on the Pixel 6. Like you said, you're seeing your screen drop to 90 frames, but the Pixel 6 is only doing 90 frames. Exactly. Or um, what else did you mention? Why am I blanking? You mentioned the notification thing that David has been having. I did have an issue this morning where I had to restart my phone because the notifications just disappeared. Huh. So that was yeah. weird. But yeah, the uh, notification shade the like once a week will do something weird. Just one time. Just so just I'll pull it down and it'll be it'll be totally blank or like not or missing the graphics or it'll be transparent for some reason, but with like gaps between the notifications for some I don't know. Huh. Just like weird things. Once a week, something weird happens there. So I have something that's been happening on my Pixel that I it's obviously not a Pixel 6 issue because I'm using a 4XL, but I want to see if you've had or something because it is, I know David's kind of been having it, but it's been driving me absolutely insane. And I feel like I've had the phone for two years. I feel like it's only been doing it in the last maybe three months. Yeah. Um, it's It all has to do with Google Assistant. It triggers on my phone 
all the time. Absolutely all the time. No one's saying Google, no one's saying oh. the the trigger word or anything, and I'll just trigger. And then along with that, hmm. when I'm in my house, which has Google Homes equipped, if I ask my Google Home something, it will always turn my screen on and start picking it up. And then my phone and my Google Home will basically fight over which one wants to yeah. do that. But like previously, and it's always worked flawlessly for me, if you're in a room where the Google Home is in and your phone hears it, it just ignores it because the yeah. home's going to pick it up. Okay, so on both those. So the first one, uh, I haven't had the random triggers from Assistant. I This is the sad part is like I miss a lot of things about the Pixel. Mm -hmm. One of them is is using voice type on like everything and it being yeah. extremely fast and accurate. Um, so I haven't had that problem. My suggestion would be to retrain the voice model, see if that works. I don't know if you've tried that. Okay. Um, the other thing uh, is, yes, when your phone is in the same room as a smart assistant signed into the same account, they're supposed to decide amongst each other immediately which one should handle mm -hmm. the request. And I find that when I switch to a new review unit and I bring it home to my house with the, the speaker in it, the first time I ask assistant something, my phone pops up a little dialog box saying, did the correct thing answer this query? Oh. And I have to say, yes, I would the speaker love if it did asked it. Me that. So I suspect that's buried in the settings somewhere where you okay. can either reset sensitivity or something it's like that. It's just so weird because like we moved into my house in June mm -hmm. or July and it worked totally fine. And it's just been these last couple months that it's been starting to do this. And it mm -hmm. drives me wild seeing my phone like on the coffee table. I'm on the couch. It's a place I've asked Google to do things a billion times before. And I'll see my phone like light up. And then sometimes my phone will be like, sure, turning off the lights or Google Home. Mm -hmm. What would he say? Sure, turning off the lights. Another thing, shut up. I don't care. I just want you to turn the, the lights off. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that just drives me insane. But anyways, yeah, my rant. Yeah, no, a lot of a lot of questions have come up. Like my replies are lit. I think I have like 1,500 replies to that tweet. Everyone's like, well, yeah, it blew what, up. what about this? What about that? Um, I don't think it's a tensor issue. I think that was one of the questions is like, okay, well, you've had all these issues with Google making their own chip. Did they mess it up? I I think it's a little more software specific mm -hmm. uh, because first of all, some of these things, especially the slowdowns have happened on previous pixels for me. I made a whole yeah. video like four years ago or something like that um, about kind of the same thing where I was switching from a pixel to a OnePlus because of the smoothness difference, because of how much it slowed down over time. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like it's a little more software related, but then, yeah, like other people on other pixels have issues. Like this is something Google has had a long time to hear complaints about. And I wonder like, do they hear the complaints? I'm sure they do. They do definitely. What do they actually do about it? Are they able to, you know, push updates, prioritize software? Yeah. You know, those sorts of things are a question mark. So this is sort of a classic pixel story. It's happened yeah. before. I mean, and it also came out with one of their bigger software updates in a long time. Like 12, it, 12 is huge and totally different in a lot of different ways. So yeah. I'm sure plenty of things came out of that. So you're bringing a new phone, new software, all your previous phones. There's a million variables. I'm yeah. hopefully they're working on it. But yes, yeah, seeing like December update, December update mm -hmm. that hasn't actually come. Um, I saw Artem posting on your tweet that you can sideload it. And he said that fixed a lot of things. Yeah. But like, Again, we're nerds. We can sideload things, but like the average people, yeah. that's not an option. Yeah, as far as like me recommending a phone, I think that's what it comes down to. I I don't think I would recommend Pixel 6 Pro to anyone because it's yeah. still eight nine hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to have all these issues and it still doesn't have that software update that fixes them officially, I'm not going to go. Oh yeah, just spend the spend the nine hundred bucks and then try to find an APK to appropriately sideload this OS update. It's like, well, nope, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so I'm going to say. Don't buy Pixel 6 Pro right now. Huh. Uh, but that's that's basically it. That's, I'm that's be, how I'm feeling. I'm stuck on Pixel 4 forever. I just can't make up my mind. I might honestly wait till the S22 comes out and then get an S21 Ultra at like half the price. That's not a bad that idea. Sounds like, especially seeing some of the renders of the S22 Ultra, it looks terrible. So yeah, it's like what the stuff we're looking forward to for S22 Ultra. A lot of new hardware stuff, but also a lot of the same. Yeah. So uh, you know, I have Android 12 on the S22 Ultra. Which, by the way, has uh, the Material U sort of implementation from Samsung. Okay. I changed my wallpaper, and it's like, the, like oh, would you like theme? to change the color palette? Okay. It still does that stuff. But like the the software experience on S21 Ultra and whatever S22 Ultra comes out will probably be about the same. 
It's do you like the design or the new slightly bigger display or maybe they'll change the charging speed. There might be some, some hardware stuff you're interested in. If not, S21 Ultra is a pretty good phone and it'll probably be discounted. It'll probably be more. discounted all the time, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk messaging. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content brought to you by Visible. Okay, so Visible Wireless is one of my partners, and they're pretty great. Let me tell you why. They asked me to make a video explaining why Visible Wireless might not be for you. Pretty refreshing, right? So Visible's base plan with 5G, mobile hotspot, and unlimited data on Verizon's network for 25 bucks a month works great for lots of people, so what's not to love? Well, they are all digital, so you do everything from managing your plan to updating your eSIM or getting customer service right in their app. If you love to handle everything without ever needing to talk to a human in a store, then this works great. But if you need to shop for a new phone in person, then Visible probably isn't for you. So unlike Verizon would be a better choice. If you want your wireless bundled with a bunch of extra stuff, don't switch to Visible. But heads up, you're gonna have to pay for that stuff. But Visible is focused on the wireless part of wireless. So if you want more than 5G, mobile hotspot, and unlimited data from your wireless plan, and you're willing to stand online or sit on hold and pay top dollar for it, then by all means, don't switch to Visible. Don't even go to visible.com to learn more. You get it. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. Additional terms apply. Visit visible.com for additional information. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. All right, we back. Let's talk blue bubbles and green bubbles. Okay. Let's just talk about it. Because everyone else is talking about it, so we might as well talk about it. Yeah, they are. So uh, I guess mm, this probably comes back to Hiroshi's tweet as like the beginning of why it's like sort of surfacing again. Yes, his recent tweet. Because he right. tweeted at them like a few months ago. It was actually after, wasn't it after like the PGA Tour? That was something about the green jacket. And then also about green bubbles. And oh, really? I think. I missed that. But, I mean, the idea is the same again this time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Apple's, I'm just going to read Hiroshi's tweet and we'll talk about some of this stuff. But I also just want to talk about, like, the whole lock-in thing. I think this might ultimately be, like, a whole video, actually. But we'll see. We'll see. So, here's Hiroshi's tweet. Apple's iMessage lock-in is a documented strategy. Using peer pressure and bullying as a way to sell products is disingenuous for a company that has humanity and equity as a core part of its marketing. The standards exist today to fix this. And that's a quote tweet of a Wall Street Journal article talking about how Apple's iMessage sealed its dominance with an army of green, an army of texting teens. Yeah. So basically suggesting that the standards exist today to fix this, RCS. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a there's a whole regional debate about this because this is a very U.S. centric very, thing. We'll get into that a little later. It's um, crazy how different it is overseas. I mean, let's just get into it right now, I guess. Yeah. Like, why is this an issue in the U.S.? Let it, me just let me just lay the landscape of what it's like to be in the U.S. right now yeah, yeah, messaging please. someone. I think people don't understand that. Okay. In the U.S. right now, everyone's got a carrier. Everyone's got a phone number and a carrier. Mm -hmm. um, if I want to message someone who is, you know, I have an Android phone right here. I want to message someone. How do I know I'm going to get to that person? Well, everyone's got a phone number. I can just send a message via SMS or whatever to that phone number, and it'll definitely get to them. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different service plugged into that phone number, basically a different app that receives the messages. And in the U.S., the iPhone is particularly dominant, and people who use iPhones use iMessage for most of their messaging. Mm -hmm. So if I use uh, an iPhone to talk to another iPhone, that's their own secure encrypted thing. You can send messages back and forth and there is group chats and there is reactions and there is stuff built into iMessage 
and all these features that work when you talk to another iPhone that don't work when you talk to someone who's not on an iPhone. So, but and to go off that, if you are not on an iPhone in the mm-hmm. US, the default from all of these carriers the app is is just a messaging app that uses SMS or MMS. Exactly. And that is the way that just everyone has talked to for years and years in the US, like messaging apps are not a big thing here. Yeah, so when everyone goes, "Well, okay. Well, okay, first of all." <laughs> so, the the bullying part or the the oh, you're going messaging to, part? Okay. Yeah, yeah, just to lay the landscape is like Okay, when I'm on an iPhone and I text someone else who has an iPhone, I say text, uh, it's a blue bubble. Mm -hmm. It just works a certain way. When I text someone who's on an Android phone or any other phone, it's a green bubble. And so if I'm in a messaging group with a bunch of other blue bubbles, the green bubble comes in. It like sort of breaks it. It doesn't work anymore. Everyone who's trying to like like certain messages is sending more messages to the person with the green bubble. Oh yeah. Because if you <laughs> if you like a message from an iPhone, it sends a text to the Android phone saying they liked your. Yeah, t- yeah. It's and then so wrote, does the entire text. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so essentially, people will avoid adding Android phones to their group chats because they want to make sure it stays working. Uh, the correct way. There's a whole bunch of small features. Have that you they... experienced that? Um, not specifically I with think, the messaging features. I think it's far more for the younger generation where this is, because like when we were going through high school, at least when I was going through high school, we were all just using regular phones. Like right. text, text Texting. messaging was the thing you did because it was all there was. There was only SMS because we didn't have smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I can see now in the our generation where everyone in high school and stuff has smartphones and like maybe there's some sort of weird, I don't know if the bullying is because it doesn't work as well or if it's something similar to where there used to be past bullying of like, you know, somebody's wearing Skechers and someone's wearing Jordans, oh, it's you know, it's, it's more of like an off-brand, more of a, a what's the word, a class, it's like a classist mm-hmm. thing. It feels more like, when, that is, as someone who hasn't experienced yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't experienced it. I've heard plenty of stories and read plenty of articles, mm-hmm. but there also are legitimate features that just work worse. Like uh, if you send yeah. a video from two phones with iMessage, you mm-hmm. get a high resolution copy of the video. Yeah. If you send a video from an Android phone to an iPhone or vice versa, you get this like pixelated, compressed mess of an unintelligible video. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, so I have family members that like, for example, my 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 uncle. I'm just gonna just ruin the family group chat right now. My Do uncle, it. my uncle takes videos of uh, my cousins playing basketball. You know, my cousin gets up for a huge block in his like little league basketball game. I'm like, that's sick. He sends me a video of it. I can't see anything mm-hmm. in the video. I'm like, he just dunked I, for the first time. I <laughs> I can't tell. It's a really bad video. I have a perfect example of this in my <laughs> text messages right now. This is my aunt sending all of us a video of um, a bald eagle that she saw. Yeah, you can't see anything. <laughs> you can't see anything. I don't know if like, this is what I get. This is the full screen video of a bald eagle and- It's just a yeah. blur, yeah. So so things like that. So Apple doesn't have any incentive to change this because they want as many people to use iPhones as possible. So if the story goes, hey, your Android phone doesn't work well with all these videos and messages and likes and things I've been sending you, the pressure is get an iPhone so you can join this mm-hmm. little thing we've got going on. Um, and that includes like FaceTime and all sorts of other things. But just as far as iMessage goes, that's the pressure is please get an iPhone so we can yeah. include you in this group. Um, and Apple loves that. Of course. <laughs> I mean, it's money. Why would you not like so that? So the, the, the lock-in basically is like nobody wants to leave the iMessage ecosystem because everything works so well. We're talking to other people with iPhones. We want everyone in and everybody, no one wants to leave. So Hiroshi saying the standards exist today to fix this is now we have this thing called RCS. Mm -hmm. Just to briefly super simplify uh, rich communication standard, it's kind of like SMS 2.0 if you want to think about it. services. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Standard service. Okay. Rich communication. But the idea is it has a bunch more features. It has, uh, you know, you can see uh, read receipts. You can see if somebody's typing. Mm-hmm. You can see, you know, reactions. I think is another thing. So most importantly, encryption. Encryption as well, mm-hmm. very important. So now, if Apple's iMessage could support RCS, then all the new phones that are coming out today that support RCS would work with all the great things that iMessage has to offer, and there wouldn't be quite so much pressure 
to get into the iPhone ecosystem or to lock people into the iPhone ecosystem. Yeah. That's the basic idea. Mm -hmm. Apple being a competitive, very smart business will never do that, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> they'll I never support RCS and they'll never change you know, supporting any of these things that make it really annoying to text an Android phone. Yeah, I, I think there's like, so Hiroshi kind of followed up on his tweet and like I found the tweet he posted a while ago. This was in October. Okay. Um, he, so the Android Twitter tweeted that uh, Green Jacket is next for our Green Bubble King because Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, he is using Android. He uses an Android. Uses an Android. Yeah. Um, so, and then Hiroshi group or retweeted that group chats don't need to break this way. There exists a, re a really clear solution, and he all capitals RCS really clear solution. Um, here's an open invitation to the folks who can make this right. We are here to help. So that was his tweet in October, kind of saying like, "Come on, Apple. Hey, Apple, support RCS." Yeah. Um, and he's kind of cleared it up recently as it's not so much that he wants like iMessage for Android. He doesn't want all of the benefits of iMessage to be on Android. But since iMessage already supports SMS and MMS because it's the only way they would be able to con like talk to people on Android, uh -huh. RCS is the new standard. RCS has taken over SMS, MMS, right. or I think only RCS. Or uh, RCS has only taken over SMS because MMS can do more than 160 characters. More bytes. RCS cannot, right? Right. Okay. But Very nitty gritty. But the point is, yeah, it should it allow would, it. It should just be like, okay, support RCS so we can continue to like move this forward and, yeah. and not have so much but there's still, disparity. There still are benefits to having iMessage. So I think that's what Hiroshi's sure. trying to say is like, you know, we're not trying to fully take iMessage. We're not trying to, you know, right. you guys built that. You did your great job at that. It's it's what it is, and there's a reason everyone loves it. But yeah. RCS is the standard now and can work better in compatibility with iMessage and it seems like there's no reason to not allow it. And you can still have, you know, all the iMessage features that are available only on iPhone. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I think there are some other takes about this. I think Hiroshi's take is the correct take, It, but it is not a perfect solution. Mm -hmm. They're not saying, like you said, they're not saying, let's make Apple make iMessage for Android. That's yeah. not what we're asking. We're just saying, hey, just add RCS support to iMessage. No mm -hmm. reason not to. I think that's a fair. I think that's take. totally fair. Um, now to shift perspectives to the uh, to the overseas folks who are just like, why don't you just use WhatsApp? <laughs> oh, why yeah, don't you just yeah. use Telegram? Why don't you just use insert other app here? Um, we could, and as a matter of fact, a lot of us try. A lot of us a lot go, of all us right, try. Yeah, us a lot of us nerds. nerds <laughs> yes, will go. All right, well, look, mom, you've got an iPhone, but you can download the Telegram app. Dad, you've got an Android phone, but you can download the Telegram app. We all have all these different phones and operating systems and standards, but if we all just use Telegram or if we all just use WhatsApp, we're all fine and we're talking and we're using all the features and sending high-res videos and it's all fine. We try this every time and nobody wants a new app. Nobody okay. wants to also use Telegram exactly. for one group chat when they could just use iMessage for every group chat. That's just the way it is in the US. It sounds dumb, but that's just well, the way The it argument is. would be, but everyone can use WhatsApp, everyone can use this. It's, it it's becomes a, a thing cost. where it's a, it's a standard, it's the default, and it happens because of carrier services and like trying to get people to switch off of it. It's not like they're starting with it. Yeah. So it's, my, it's... my comparison right now is in the US, which again is just, we're wrong here. We use the <laughs> imperial system for measurement, everywhere oh else uses metric. Well, that's a whole. We I understand. We understand. I'll agree with you on the temperature thing. <laughs> temperature kind of makes sense for people, outdoor temperature, but yeah. in general, metric makes a thousand times more sense. Oh, that's a convenient number. It's, it, yeah, it's a very, <laughs> yeah. I wish we planned that. Yeah. that <laughs> um, but like, it makes way more sense, but we're so locked into the imperial system, it's just not going to change. There's like, a switching cost. It would have to start at the bottom and then take generations to finally fix. So like the only way we're going to get off of SMS, most likely, or RCS even, is that like, all the new phones, when you get your first cell phone, you have to go straight to like Telegram or WhatsApp. And then in a hundred years, that'll finally yeah. be totally changed. It's just not yeah. going to happen. It's not going to happen because every phone that Apple ships will have iMessage right, sitting right there. Yeah. And every Android phone that ships, or not everyone, but most of them are going to be at a carrier service that's going to have a default text messaging yeah. uh, application. So while it may seem like, you know, WhatsApp is the way to go, I, there's a whole separate set of problems with like, putting your entire communications infrastructure in the hands of Meta, which is 
and that's another that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, yeah, I think the bottom line is there's the switching cost. So it will have to get worse before it gets better, and it will take a total group commitment for everyone's messaging situation to get worse before it gets better. And we as humankind are terrible at total group commitment. Awful at I that. Think we we've, all noticed, <laughs> we've noticed lately we're pretty bad at total group commitment. Um, I do have one more argument, though, that I think could be the eventual way that sways Apple to finally allowing RCS. Really? And I think it's people making the argument that Apple is a company that prides itself in privacy so much and that SMS is super not secure while RCS now has encryption. Right. So it is actually... When you're using iMessage and you're sending to an Android phone, your messages are stored as SMS and not encrypted. So now you actually are making it less private for iPhone users. So basically, as an iPhone user, it's either Apple lets RCS become the standard and available in iMessage, or or you just tell iPhone users to literally never speak to Android (laughs) users. Yeah. And that's your most encrypted way of communication. I like to look at this from every perspective, and I think the one perspective that nobody likes to look at it from but you have to include is from Apple's perspective. Yep. (laughs) And uh, the funny thing is, you know, if Google was in the same position, I think they would hold it, which is so funny. But, like, Apple, you know, Google's tried many a time. (laughs) Miserably. (laughs) Many a time to make a messaging app to make what some might even call the iMessage of Android. Like we've had that moment a couple times. We've had Duo and Allo and and Hangouts and all these other things that that have like come up and died basically Mm -hmm. um, in an effort to become the universal messaging app for everyone. And we keep thinking, well, if anyone can do it, it's Google. But like I was saying, okay, so from Apple perspective, Apple has this high ground, they have this position and they have this this invisible lever that they never even have to touch that just keeps bringing people into using iPhones. Yeah. It's it's just they they only support a certain, you know, protocol. They they work perfectly with each other. That's all great. Why would we add support for others when it will actually make their experience better and make them less likely to switch to the iPhone? I agree in a totally super super optimistic Viewpoint. I'm hoping that as more things become uh, like as they develop more things that are compatible with iMessage through only having an iPhone or Apple products, then that gap gets higher and higher. And then it's okay to let a little more in on the bottom bottom level of it, possibly by just literally letting RCS in for maybe like encryption purposes and, and read receipts. And then maybe they'll do it. Like this is the most optimistic point of me, and Apple's still barely giving anything. So mm-hmm. like, let's not call me a shill or anything. I still think it's pretty yeah. f- ridiculous. Um, I think there might be a way it, it eventually just allows RCS in because it's just going to be the default. Is there also is there ever a chance we just lose SMS completely and RCS becomes the default? Uh, just due to money far, and through far carriers, in the future, eventually they'll have to do it at that point. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I hope so. Do you think there's anything to the like green being an ugly color thing for the green bubbles? I love green, so. Oh, really? So I guess it's not a problem for you. No. But if you had, I mean, it's definitely not a problem for me because I have an Android and I don't see right. that stuff. This is so. this is the one like silly take from this that I've seen, or a silly version there's of peer lots pressure of I've seen, things, yeah. which is that like people just think the green is ugly and don't want to text green bubbles, which I think is like, there's a whole lot behind that, which is like, oh, you have an Android phone, which is like, I think it's this off brand of thing. How can you not have an iPhone? But I think just the fact that it's a different color Mm -hmm. sets off this whole tidal wave of other feelings and things behind it, you know? I think that's real. I love green. And two, in protest to Apple, we should change the MKBHD logo to green until they include RCS. Nope. (laughs) Nope. I wow. hate that green. Wow, shill. It's such a it's such a harsh green, you know? Oh, it's I like, dig green. I love green. You know what's I funny? love green. I like bright green. I like like highlighter green. I think it's all sick. I think it contrasts with a lot of cool things. It's, it's weird different. because the iMessage icon is green. <laughs> that's a very good it's So the shouldn't same they green, all be right? green? It's it looks like it. Yeah. Shouldn't they all be that Maybe green? Maybe that's a 40 chess move by Apple to think like, <laughs> well, we don't think it's an ugly color. Look, it's our app icon. One day the iMessage logo is going to turn blue. No, it's not. That's not enough. That's too iconic. The phone is too iconic. 
the messaging green bubble is too iconic. Making fun of Android users is too iconic. We can't change it. That's crazy. I think the green bubbles are too iconic. Everyone just knows that that's what happens when you text an Android phone. Could you imagine that's why they're not allowing it? Because it's just too iconic to have them as, I guess they could keep RCS as green still. Wasn't there a headline that there's people, there's like Android users, I'm trying to remember the wording, like Android users get less dates because once you match match on a dating app and you send the first message and it pops up green, for whatever reason, that's that statistically corresponds to less likely. I'm to sure there are a thousand variables that <laughs> could go think. into that. Is it and cause and effect are, or what? There's happy coincidence on that. Is it the green bubble that makes you less likely to secure a date, or is it something else? I don't know. I mean, like, unfortunately, uh, we're really off the rails here, but like, unfortunately, in the dating world, there's a classes aspect of it. And like, generally, iPhones are more expensive. So maybe, you know, it's you're seeing in a dating app that somebody's more well off and that's more desirable because human race sucks again. I just and picture like that meme where someone's in the corner at a party, like, she doesn't know I'm using a $1,800 Sony Xperia Pro I. Yeah, well, she doesn't know I'm using the Surface Duo. She knows, and that's why she's not talking oh, to God. you. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I, th- I think this- We've lost this one. I'm just going to wrap this up by saying I, I would love to- Sometimes we just like wrapping a topic all up into one structured thing. I think we should make a video of- iMessage lock-in explained, oh, yeah. basically, mm-hmm. to include both sides, to include, I mean, for all our international viewers who are, like, baffled by why anyone would use iMessage, like, the entire perspective of it. Yeah. I think that would be fun. SMS, yeah, is probably very hard to explain to the outside world. It's going to take a lot of research and, and structure, mm-hmm. but I think we can do it. I want to try. I think the easiest way to mention it to the outside world is, like, you have all been your families or, like, older relatives tech support at some point. Imagine now having to do that for just like the simplicity of text messages, like all of the older generation and even our generation grew up on SMS. It's a thing that's there. It stinks. It's wrong, but it's there and there's not really changing it. That's really pessimistic, but yeah. Well, to end on a pessimistic note, as always, let's be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. All right, David, welcome to Waveform. Let's talk chips. Let's talk snacks. Let's talk Tostitos. Like, let's talk Sun Chips. Lay. Let's talk about the whole ecosystem. Uh, no, we're What's talking, your favorite chip? Oh, definitely. So I'm going to go. Actually, I thought it was one thing for sure, but now I'm not so sure. I was going to say the Ooh. red Sun Chips, but I think I might be a sour Ooh. cream and onion Lay's person. Lay's? Yeah. Interesting. They're a little thin for me, I'd say. I prefer that. Just for, you know, it's usually a side of the sandwich or whatever. Yeah. You um, just put it on your tongue and it sort of yeah. decomposes. I also anyway. like apple silicon chips. That's a, that's a whole other chip. Oh. Uh, oh. But yeah, we should talk about <laughs> the newest <laughs> chips that were all yeah. uh, dropped at CES. You want to walk me through, I guess, some of the most the more important ones and why they're important and what's new about them. Yeah. So what's really funny is like this year at CES, a ton of chips dropped. And this happens a lot, um, but funny enough, it's generally at Computex and some other shows that these chips drop. So it was kind of interesting that everybody decided to announce some bigger chips. Um, And normally it would be like not insanely important news. However, um, Intel's 12th generation of chips, and 
I should probably just do this disclosure. Used to work at Intel, but you know, whatever. So a few months ago, a couple months ago, Intel released their 12th generation um, chipset called Alder Lake. The reason this is important and the reason the CES announcement is important is because this is Intel's first chip design where they do the performance core efficiency core thing. Ah, okay. So, so this is it's sort of... We've observed this sort of big little architecture in some other... Like obviously Apple does it with the iPhones and the iPads and now with the new Apple Silicon the stuff. Ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of why it's a big deal because I mean, on desktop, maybe not as big of a deal. Um, obviously it's better if the efficiency cores can be handling the smaller subsystem tasks because that way you're not drawing as much power. However, the desktop chips can still pull a ton of power. They can pull up to 250 watts at full load, which is actually insane. Because um, that means if you get like a full i9 desktop uh, 12th gen chip, you're going to have to have like a thousand watt power supply if you've got like a yeah. 3090 or something. Like it's yeah. crazy. But um, at CES, they announced the mobile version of Alder Lake. And this is important in my opinion because M1 exists as a lab, mostly as a laptop chipset standard, right? Like there's the all-in-one iMac, which has the M1, but there hasn't been like a Mac Pro only on desktop chipset yet. So you can't really, it's comparing Apple's to Intel's um, when, you, when you compare the desktop stuff. But now that we have laptop stuff, it's sort of a bigger deal. So there haven't been a lot of like, benchmarks or any really benchmarks at all yet that I've seen mm -hmm. about these uh, laptop chips, but there's different versions of them. Like usual, you've got like the H chips that are the highest end. They can pull up to 45 Watts um, and then probably scale higher from there. And then it goes down to 28, 15 and nine. So it's different segments. It's like video editing laptops is the 45 Watt. Then you've got the yeah. like hybrid thin and light, but also sort of powerful 28, 15, nine, um, adds a bunch of different stuff. Uh, PCIe gen five gets cut out because it's not even available yet. And they had to cut out some stuff out for the mobile chips. Oh, okay. But yeah, the biggest thing is, is the effi efficiency cores and, uh, performance cores. And they actually got more efficiency cores than they have performance cores in like all SKUs, which is really interesting. I think that Intel thinks in most cases, most people are going to be doing things that are not super performance driven, right? Like web browsing and, right. and that kind of stuff. Which is probably so, true. Most most of the yeah. stuff that you do in between the heavy work on a laptop is a lot of that smaller, mm -hmm. you know, web browsing, little efficiency related things. Sure. Yeah, right. So they, they've got the highest end has uh, eight efficiency cores and six performance cores. And then when you get to the lowest end, i5, which they get, got rid of i3 now, they scale down to four performance cores. Um, but the i9 versions of these things and the i7 version of these things can turbo up to 115 watts, which for a laptop is insane. Just crush. Um, yeah, because you think about like the M1 Pro and M1 Max, and even they don't use that much, nearly that much power. Um, and that's part of the reason why they they have such good battery life. But this is a pretty big deal because I I think, especially since they have more efficiency cores, I'm really interested to see if Intel-based laptops can actually finally get some good battery life. Because so, that was always the thing with, with the MacBooks. Yeah, 100%, and even more so today. So I guess I have two questions. One, mm -hmm. is it far enough into the development cycle that we can consider this an answer to Apple Silicon, like an answer to the M1 chip and what they've done in laptops. And now, okay, Intel has gone to work and this is what they've been working on. And here's our super. I would definitely chip. say so. I, I would say it's their first big attempt at answering Apple Silicon. Okay. Yeah. And we'll see what performance and efficiency numbers look like in actual machines running these chips. But then I guess number two is a more general broad question. Um, cause I've been so pumped about, okay, we're finally going to get these big Apple Silicon desktops. Uh, mm -hmm. the ratio of performance to efficiency cores is really interesting. Do you think there's a world where they make a super high performant, mostly performance cores version and then a it, couple small yeah. cores? 
It's it's a little different because the performance cores in a traditional x86 architecture takes so much more power, right? Okay. Like the fact that even this one, which only has uh, six performance cores, can turbo up to 250 watts, is like you're gonna you're gonna blow out your your house if if you had more performance cores than that. Gotcha. That said, like these things can um, go up to five 5.2 gigahertz, uh, oh, which is insane. Cores. Yeah. Okay. So they're still a lot faster, and the general performance of these chips is supposed to be quite a bit better, like 20 to 30% better, 40% in some cases, than even 11th gen. Okay. So it is interesting. I think um, the biggest question for me is going to be, what is battery life like even on the higher-end chips? Because if they are super fast and can do like really good video editing and all of that stuff, and they have good battery life. That's sort of like what Apple that's, brought to the table and why everyone was like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, they also have way better integrated graphics, theoretically. They were 96 execution units up from 32. So it's like triple the integrated graphics. Um, whether or not that translates to performance, we'll see. Yeah. But I'm really excited to see laptop, specifically laptop uh, benchmarks from these things, just to see Same. if they can stack up. Yeah. I mean, a six core chip turboing up to 5.2 gigahertz sounds very powerful. So, I mean, if we get to mm -hmm. see that sort of stuff translated into, you know, multi-threaded uh, video editing apps, things like that. I mean, that's just, I'm just speaking from a video creator's perspective, but that's what I want to yeah, say. Yeah. That would be, that would be sick. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look forward to these. Yeah. So Alder Lake chips. Um, yeah. All right. Okay, we've got Zen 3 Plus, uh, which is an AMD thing. It's funny, and everyone was kind of like, this is kind of weird because they're announcing um, Zen uh, AM5 and like Ryzen Gen 4 in 2022. They announced its existence already. So this is sort of like a, one of those like mid-cycle refreshes, but it's like kind of weirdly timed because it's right before uh, the end of the year or right before you switch over to Ryzen Gen 4. But it's a pretty decently big deal. Um, you get about, I think it was like 30 to 40% better efficiency. So it's, it seems like everyone's really scaling towards efficiency, right? This is a laptop chip too, yeah. um, mostly. So you're getting 30 to 40% better efficiency on like general overall tasks like browsing and streaming and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you mostly saw these chips in laptops last year, and they were just like crazy powerful with a lot of cores and got really good battery life already. So the fact that you're like making that even better, I think there's a reason they called it Zen 3 Plus um, <laughs> instead of like calling it a wholly different architecture. However, the integrated graphics in this have been basically doubled in performance. So you're gonna get like much, much better integrated graphics. So if you have like thin and light Zen laptops, yeah, you can get a lot better graphics without having to pull an actual regular graphics card. So that kind of also feels like right along the same lines as like answering Apple Silicon. Like so the the big advancement with having much better integrated graphics and much more efficiency was these machines felt really snappy and fast in pretty much any everyday regular task, and they seemed to just sip power. They just lasted forever. And so without having like some yeah crazy power draw, you're able to just like work for a really long time and not really think about battery life anymore, so that's super mm -hmm. useful. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, yeah, seeing laptops that actually have these new chips in them, that's always the thing about like, okay, the, the companies announced the chips, they sound really great, now let's see the rest of the machine built around it, take advantage of that, and hopefully it's it's got the right keyboard, the right screen, the right ports, and everything that we're looking forward to. But right. so far, so good. Yeah, and this is kind of how the industry moves, right? It's like somebody does something, they're the dominant player for like six months or a year, and then all of a sudden their competition comes in and one-ups them, and it's sort of this like push and pull. Mm -hmm. And with Apple, I think everyone was like, they're so far ahead. They're like two generations ahead now and nobody's switching to a similar type of thing. And obviously like AMD and Nvidia or AMD and Intel are not making ARM based chips for their laptops yet. Um, but either way, their like existing architectures are getting a lot more 
performant when they need to be and a lot better battery life when they need to be, which is kind of what you're getting from Apple anyway. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing about uh, Zen 3 Plus is that it has USB 4 support. It's good. It's really nice because generally you had to have a Thunderbolt controller in a laptop to be able to like have Thunderbolt type support at all. And uh, now that USB 4 is like very similar to Thunderbolt 3, you're finally going to be able to get better docks for Ryzen-based laptops without them having to pay Intel to have a Thunderbolt controller. Nice. Good so. for you, AMD. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the last big thing was that, well, there's two last big things. NVIDIA announced a 3090 Ti. They didn't give really any details, but like... But you can't even get a 3090 got... yet. <laughs> I know. <It's> so hard. <laughs> that and the fact that like that 3090 already costs a bazillion dollars yeah, and is insane. So what is the um, 3090 Ti? They basically didn't announce any details. They they like held it out at oh. the end of a presentation. Oh, it was one of those. They're like, here's the thing we're going to do. We're yeah. definitely going to do it. You yeah. know what's funny? Yeah. We were but working like, on like this... <laughs> we were working on this video uh, script and part of my rabbit hole digging was looking up the definition of vaporware and the definition of vaporware, according to Google anyway, is mm -hmm. a product that is advertised that is either a concept or still being worked on. Hmm. And that might qualify. I mean, that we see vaporware all the time in the form of like, you know, CES announcements like the, the color changing car that you're yeah. probably never going to be able to buy that thing. Or even Sony's yeah. car. Don't think that's going to ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a 3090 yeah. Ti that we get no details about and no specs about, but they hold up on stage. It's kind of the perfect CES announcement. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. trust us. This is a little bit of hype. Feel free to write your headlines now. We'll be taking that free press. Thank you very much. Buy but, our stock now because yeah. it will go up when we actually launch this thing. <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah. yeah, we don't have any details, but 3090 Ti will be even harder to get than the 3090. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Not only will it be impossible to get, but it'll be impossible to purchase because it'll be so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Is it, do you know, I guess there's no details, but did it look bigger than a normal 3090, I guess? It looked about the same size, but I have a feeling it'll probably be slightly bigger and have even more power draw. Sick. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Which, if you if you pair that with like a um, a 12th gen Intel chip for your desktop, you you're gonna have to watt power supply. Just <laughs> exactly. go get it now. Get ahead of the 3090 Ti with your power supply. You need to. You got to plug it into your uh, F150 Lightning, oh. and then you'll be able to run it. Mm, mobile gaming PC. How has nobody <laughs> done that yet? How has no? How has Linus not built a PC in the back of an F150 Lightning yet? New studio video. Dang. All right. That's a great ideas, idea. Ideas bouncing back and forth. <laughs> um, so. And then the last last little thing is like Intel announced a while ago that they are going to be building their own GPU. And they basically announced that it is coming mm. um, this year. So that'll be interesting <laughs> because at least in the CPU space, there's a lot of competition. Yeah. In the GPU space, it's like AMD makes GPUs, but they've never really been competitive unless you're a crypto miner. I remember back in the day so. in like, I want to say the mid early 2000s, like 2008 to 2012, there was a time even earlier than that, actually, where uh, you might consider getting an AMD. They were always the cheaper option than the NVIDIA card. But um, mm -hmm. like I remember having to go in and upgrade my GPU to be able to play a certain game and meet the minimum requirements. And it was like mm -hmm. the AMD version of the GPU was 100 bucks more. Or sorry, the NVIDIA version was 100 bucks more. And so I went with the AMD one. Uh, no regrets. But they haven't exactly been stealing market share from NVIDIA since then. Yeah, so. it's, it's always like they announced a new GPU and everyone's hyped about it. And then their top end one ends up being about the same performance as the mid range NVIDIA one. And that's just kind of the problem. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Intel come in. Um, hmm. You know, I have no idea how much faith I have in that. But if their GPU team is able to work with their CPU team to like somehow make them more integrated, and yeah. make them work better together, that could be really interesting to look at. Mm -hmm. But we'll have to see. No real details, but fingers crossed yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> More vaporware. Baby. Let's go. CES. That's perfect. CES. All yeah. right. Well, there's a lot of good so anyway. future, future tech to look forward to, especially in this world. So we'll keep our eye on this sort of stuff. Again, I'm so much of a, a tangible, like I want to see it working type person. Yeah. So it, you know, 
all of this like hype for me is just getting me ready for the actual product. So we'll see when yeah. that stuff comes out. But yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah. So it was a it was a very lively CES surprisingly this year. I think that was a surprise. Even though, but nobody went. Yeah, only yeah. A, a tenth of the people expected to go went, but we got four times as many cool announcements. Yeah, I like interesting how that works. Car. That yeah. was my favorite. I hope we get yeah. to see that. Anyway, all right. Anyway, well, cool. that's been uh, our first little. I guess it's not the first episode of the year, but a little more, uh, a little oh, more yeah. January action. There's still plenty more stuff coming up this year, but that'll be it. Thanks, well, David, sorry. for joining me and for the breakdown. Appreciate it. See you soon. All right. So thanks again to David for joining us, talking about sun chips and Lay's potato chips and all sorts of chips. Oh yeah. Um, and we had a. This is a good. This is a good early. Uh, early season episode we got a lot more tech in the pipeline and all sorts of gadgets we're looking forward to so sort of getting the gears turned on that Mm -hmm. but uh yeah let us know uh what stuff you're looking forward to for 2022 we'll make sure we uh get our hands on it for sure yeah cool thanks for watching waveform thanks for listening catch you guys the next one did that too early peace (laughs) peace waveform is produced by adam molina we are partnered with vox media and our intro outro music was created by vane sill I know at the time yeah. when I have it. I know when I've got <laughs> like it. Yeah, like yeah. created by Silk. You oh. got this, baby. Bring her home. Yeah. <laughs>